Hey guys, before we get started, we first have a quick message from our sponsors. Elm Coffee Roasters open in Pioneer Square and South Lake Union for takeout and soon indoor seating. Order coffee and more at elmcoffeeroasters.com. If you're looking for a place to live in the fall with student-friendly amenities, spectacular views, and that's walking distance to campus, check out the M Seattle. They're the only student living high-rise near UW, and they've recently dropped their rates on all their floor plans. Visit themseattle.com for more info. Hi, I'm Ella Torrance. And I'm Molly Anders, and you're listening to Dig Deeper, a deep dive into the psychological explanations of social experiences, everyday struggles, and philosophical perspectives. For this week's episode, we'll be talking about the psychology of death and how the way we think about death influences our everyday lives. So to start us off, the study of death and practices surrounding it is called thanatology. And within thanatology, one of the biggest struggles is that It's basically an attempt to study the reality that other people are living in, so the way that other people think about death. And when we try to study someone else's reality, it's limited to our own observation. So there's really no objective standard because, I don't know, objectivity is something that we construct subjectively in our own reality. Ooh, that was was confusing. Um, (laughs) But pretty much within studying death and within studying the way that other people view death, you're always going to apply your own perspective. So we're never really going to have an objective standard for the way that other people think about death. Yeah, that's really meta, but that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if death is so inevitable and such a big part of our lives, how do ideas about death shape our everyday lives? Yeah, so I think if you think about the values of our culture, so specifically in America, there's a big emphasis on like youth, beauty, progression, achievement, optimism, independence, which really runs counter to death and specifically the effects of dying and getting older. So I feel like one of the biggest ways that um, our fear of death is projected is within the way that we the way that we value things. Yeah, and I think that it's just so feared by our culture that as a society we've come up with responses like to the idea of death and people try to deny it and try to forget it and like a lot of people have really chronic fears of death and it's associated with some of people's biggest anxieties and depressions when you're just thinking about death yeah exactly I think also we really have a lot of difficulty conceiving our own deaths, which there's kind of a theory that we're unable to conceive our own death as a survival mechanism to prevent it from happening. So it's sort of this biological impulse. And the way that we repress the idea of death, specifically in our culture, and we have such an intense fear that's really deep in our subconscious, which really brings up the question, like, how much of an effect does this have on our lives? And I think you can see that within media we really fictionalize death to make it easier to deal with so violent entertainment becomes this safe substitute which leads us to overestimate the dramatic ways of dying so like airplane crashes terrorism shark attacks uh, and then really underestimate the actual likely ways that we could die like the top three reasons people die would be heart disease cancer or getting a stroke and oftentimes we don't think about those realistic causes for death and we really focus on the extreme examples because that's what's displayed in the media. 
the part that you said about the hollywoodization of death and like how like the top movies are super violent and gun heavy and all that kind of stuff i think that's really interesting and maybe is correspondent into how americans think about death why it's so radicalized and crazy because like a lot of other cultures have a different mindset about death like death is just a part of a life it's death is a continuum and it's not like good or bad just different i guess yeah it's interesting if you think about it from a religious perspective because as someone that isn't very religious when i think about death it it definitely is associated with fear because i don't have some sort of assumption about what's going to happen after i die um mm-hmm. so i think that is associated with a lot of fear and maybe yeah not to be too controversial but maybe like ideas within religion shape some sort of comfort around death it's interesting to compare the way that eastern religion thinks about death versus western religion Mm -hmm. because there's this kind of concept of heaven and hell versus this concept of birth and rebirth and like nirvana i guess i really only know about buddhism but it is kind of interesting (laughs) to compare the two no absolutely i was just gonna say something on that about how death may seem less unknown and less scary if you are sure that you are going to heaven or if you are sure you're going to be reborn as a different entity i don't know with reincarnation kind of comes immortality Mm -hmm. which i think is a lot easier to deal with than just being dead in the ground and having nothing happen to you yeah i wonder how that changes i mean i guess we'll talk about this later but it's interesting to think about the way that that changes the way that people live lives because a lot of people live their lives based on rules about like getting into heaven or hell or like rules towards enlightenment and like, i think there is a lot of research that we're not making a podcast on religion but like that religion <laughs> makes people happier and besides like the community aspect of it i wonder how much your perception of death changes like your happiness levels in your life or even just like the way that you live your life exactly i was just gonna say like if you are living your life to get into an afterlife or if you are living your life to die i guess how you live is really altered and that's also not even religious like if you're living your life to not die by exercising and eating well is like you were saying before then that is altering how you live so no matter which way you swing it religious or not people live their lives to prevent this death or change Mm -hmm. this outcome of their death yeah yeah i think that's interesting in the concept of modern medicine in the way that this is a little out there but like the way that our concept of death has changed throughout time so they define the process of clinical death as like the interval between the time that vital processes have ceased and the time when permanent irreversible damage has occurred but now like there are so many different factors involved with that like there's brain death which you would say like is a cessation of brain activity. It's when you flatline on an EEG. But there are now so many different ways to kind of keep physical bodies alive or, you know, to keep brain activity going. And I think with all of those new technologies, kind of the way that we think about death changes. And especially at the end of life, it brings up a lot of questions about maybe not what is death, because I think that is kind of a concrete term, but like what is living? What is life? And now we have all of these prolonging life functions like antibiotics and vaccines and new surgeries and transplants and then you have these machines that delay death I guess and 
It's interesting to think about the way that that has over time changed and evolved and maybe even changed the way that we live our lives. And like why antibiotics and vaccines are so in demand and so pressing and it was such like people don't want to die and people like want to be able to live a happy life without this constant fear of death especially like when we're in this pandemic right now there's such like a desensitization towards death because it's all around us and going back to what we said before about how people suppress it it's like a coping mechanism to not think about your own death all the time and now we are forced to think about death all the time so i don't know it's just been like really hard for a lot of people and also we are desensitized to death because like it is so prominent we are just seeing numbers spike and spike about thousands hundreds and thousands of deaths and that's it's really uncomfortable to live like that yes i relate to that i feel like in my experience i have had a couple moments a couple moments of realization where I'm just confronted with this like, oh my god, I've totally been numbing myself to this for such a long time. It is really hard to look at the numbers and think about the way that death is specifically prominent right now. I feel like the only way that you can deal with it is numbing yourself most of the time. And specifically with COVID, I think the decisions that we make they're a lot more important right now, like the people we see, the way that we spend our time. It does have a much bigger impact traveling or like even just going home and seeing our parents. And I think I've personally had to be kind of careful because as a way of coping, I have definitely numbed myself to it and not really thought about it because I do think it's kind of debilitating to think about that all the time. And so in this desensitization, I think it's easy to make insensitive decisions, which does have an impact on people's lives you know, in a way, like a life or death decision. And we are confronted with it all the time now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I see what you mean. And like everything is considered risky. Like hanging out with a friend Mm -hmm. now is considered like a life or death situation, which has never, ever happened before. Or it has, but not in any of our lifetimes. Yeah, no, not at all. So part of this unavoidable fear In psychology, there's this thing called terror management theory, which is a large part of human behavior, um, which is like generated by this unconscious fear of death. So as humans with terror management theory, we do things to avoid death. And I guess kind of like before, what we're saying Mm -hmm. is like eating healthy and working out and avoiding things that scare us. So it makes us think it it, it begs the question of like what would life be like if we didn't have this fear Mm -hmm. and would people do like crazier things would how would people live their lives if there was no fear of death but then also a little fear of death is a good thing because if you're scared of death then you avoid it and you don't do inherently stupid things because you don't want to die by me not wanting to die i'm not gonna try and like scale a building because I know I'd probably (laughs) fall and I know I'd probably hurt myself so by me like having that fear I'm actively not climbing buildings well yes fear is biologically a good thing but the extent to which we are afraid of death is that serving us is our constant fear of death actually avoiding death further or is it just making our lives worse yeah 
there's probably a duality to it you know there's freaking ebbs and flows (laughs) there's ebbs and flows with everything so i guess fear is one of them before we continue another short message from our sponsors Opened since 2015, Elm Coffee Roasters is devoted to high-quality coffee that's easy to brew at home and a joy to drink. At our roastery and cafe in Pioneer Square, Seattle, Elm obsessively roasts small batches of coffee that they source with a focus on sustainable practices that lift up the whole supply chain and protect the future of the coffee plant. Elm's goal is to make truly exceptional cups of coffee and an experience you look forward to every day. Cafes in Pioneer Square and South Lake Union open now for takeout and soon dine-in services. Please use the code PODCAST at elmcoffeeroasters.com for 15% off your next coffee order. Yeah, there also is a couple interesting studies on what people do when they're confronted with death or faced with their own mortality. And one side of that is people really become more materialistic and nationalistic. And I think one of the words they used is tribal because they're seeking this security and they're trying to find this significance in life. Um, And I think along with that comes seeking a community and seeking safety. But then there is another side to that too. Yeah, I feel like the other side would be a really positive thing. And like Mm -hmm. with the confrontation of death, there is this intense sense of perspective and a new ability to live in the present moment. And if you are confronted with an ending to your life, then everything has more meaning and normal anxiety seems less like insignificant you're able to let things go easier and the world becomes a more real genuine place and people are often struck with all the beauty of it and struck with the beauty of humanity and you are put in perspective how mortal you are yeah and i think impermanence is connected with appreciation in a way that Mm -hmm. can go either way and i think You know, one of the other things that has been studied is what leads to this anxiety about death and what leads to this appreciation of life when you're confronted with death. When you're passively aware of death, it does lead to this anxiety, but in active confrontations with death, you're able to kind of transcend this anxiety and it it can have a really positive effect on you because of your ability to accept life as it is. Yeah, all of these insecurities that you had before, all these anxieties become insignificant because you're confronted with the fact that life is impermanent and along with that the small things don't really matter and if you're able to get past this passive anxiety about not wanting your life to end you're able to appreciate the things that are in your life in the moment yeah that's kind of beautiful (laughs) so I feel like death is inevitable so I guess do you think you have a choice to like own your either fear or acceptance of death I don't know I mean I think they can both coexist in a way I don't know if I personally like I don't have any experience with it beyond myself but I don't think that I will ever be able to get over the fear of death especially 
like other people's death, I feel like that's always gonna be something that causes me a lot of anxiety and fear. That's a whole nother thing that I think that I fear other people's deaths more than I mm-hmm. do my own. Because if you really think about it, death affects the living. When you're dead, you're dead. You don't have any thoughts or feelings anymore. Like you're just dead. It doesn't necessarily really matter, mm-hmm. but it does matter to those who are alive. And I also think if I died, then like how much that would affect my parents and my like friends that I know love me and like how hard it would be not saying that like people will be so sad when I die, but like I know it would really negatively affect my parents. Mm -hmm. And like, that's probably the worst part of it. When I think about it, when I think about like my own parents dying, like that's the worst thought in the world. Like that's way worse than me dying, you know? Well, I think that does point to what you value in life because you're a very connected person and you care about people a lot. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that that's kind of the point of life. I don't really want to live a life without other people. And, you know, I don't think that everyone is that way. Like, I don't think everyone values the same things that we do. But I do think that your specific fear or like my specific fear of losing other people does kind of point to what we care about within life. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So kind of in summary, I guess, our perceptions of death actually shape our lives in a meaningful way, whether we are aware of it or not. And by bringing more awareness to the way we perceive death and the way it influences our actions, we can take away some of its control and live more meaningful and present lives. Yes, thank you for spinning it that way. I didn't want this to be a super dark episode. But thanks for listening anyway. (laughs) um, I'm Ella Torrance. And I'm Molly Anders. And that was Dig Deeper.